Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. And this is my podcast. Today is within the Librocube Fra Internet Day in which we discuss stuff, stuff, as I like to call it, from the interwebs. I weed through the flotsam and jetsam and bring back the beautiful pearls of funny, funny things, funny, interesting, educational things. How about that for an idea? Hmm. Seems to be working, I assume. I have not had any negative comments about the podcast. Um, I guess that's good. (laughs) Today's sponsor is a recipe. Don't think we've ever been sponsored by a recipe. The recipe is Wimpy's Simple Limp Shrimp Dip. Once again, today's sponsor is Wimpy's Simple Limp Shrimp Dip. Sounds delicious. Mmm. Okay, why don't we hop right in, since uh, I do have, mm, although perhaps this time not a shit ton, definitely a poop ton to talk about. Item the first is a podcast. Uh, sort of, I think, the, the granddaddy of podcasts in that Mr. Mark Marin was, I don't believe the first, but one of the first to start a podcast way back in the early 2000s in the mid-2000s. really wasn't that long ago, when you think about it. His podcast is called WTF, which, uh, as you probably know, stands for What the Fudge? Uh, It's a show about baking. Hmm. No, that is a lie. It is a... um, What I like to sort of consider your typical podcast in that it is a guy who talks to other people. Or a woman, I suppose. Although I don't really listen to any podcasts where the woman is the one who is doing the interviews, now that I think about it. Just because... um, I guess there's not a lot out there. And if there is, I've never really been exposed to them. Like, mostly how I've found my podcasts is listening to other podcasts... And something, something beautiful about the podcast universe is that there seems to be a sort of brotherhood uh, between these guys in that, and girls, if there was any, between these guys in that they'll sort of go on each other's shows and do the rounds of all the other guys' shows and sort of mix and match with their guests and their themselves, and it's really sort of a beautiful thing. One of the many reasons I'm such a huge fan. Okay, so uh, in this WTF, uh, I did mention that I will only really watch, sorry, listen to this podcast if it's a guest that I care about. If it's just some Joe Blow comes in, who comes in to talk, I won't listen. Because sometimes Mark Marin, he's got a bit of a, I guess you could say a bit of an abrasive personality. Uh, and he, I, I think he admits that as well. Which uh, does not necessarily mean for a bad interview. It's just... Uh, I don't know. 
Not my, not always my bag of tea. However, the guest was Mr. Mel Brooks, O-M-G, on WTF. Huh. Uh, if you don't know who Mel Brooks is, what is wrong with you? You are just, I want nothing to do with you. Turn this off immediately. Okay, don't do that. That's not fair. But still, get in the game, man. Get in the game. Uh, creator, writer, director, producer, actor, singer, dancer, jack of all trades, master of all trades, Mr. Mel Brooks. It was a, it was a very good interview. You could tell uh, Mark Marin, as with, I think, any comedians or anyone of a comedic nature whatsoever, has a lot of respect for this man who has created hilarious things over the years. Uh, just a little, little slice of heaven. He, he got quite heavily into Blazing Saddles uh, and the making of that. He talked about, um, really, for me, what was kind of the most interesting thing, because I would have had no idea. He actually fought for a very brief time in World War II, uh, towards the end, like as in the last couple of months of the war. So that was interesting to picture. <laughs> if you know Mel Brooks, and I hope you do, and have seen him, and have heard him, and have witnessed his comedies, uh, it's hard to picture him killing Nazis. <laughs> Uh, but it's fun to picture. Right after, uh, well, the very next episode that Mark Barron did was with Mr. Carl Reiner, another sort of comedy titan. I guess it maybe came about that somehow he interviewed both of them, because Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks sort of go hand in hand in that they've worked together a lot over the years and are really good buddies and will, uh, as they say, uh, hang out like every day, every other day. Uh, we'll have dinner together and hang out at night. To me, that is just something that I love picturing. Just those two, those two dudes sitting around, uh, having a sandwich, watching a little TV. Uh, Mark Marin actually pointed that out too. That he likes that sort of picture, that tableau, if you will. Uh, okay, so let's leave Mark Marin behind for some TED Talks. We love, do we not, some TED Talks in the Liberal queue. Because although we're here, um, we, meaning I, am here for the sort of pursuit of shits and giggles, I guess the giggles are the laughs and the shits are the things like TED Talks that are uh, maybe a little educational little expand your mind a, a wee bit. So, there you go. Shits and giggles. Um, well, thoughts and laughs. Huh? Shits and giggles, thoughts and laughs. Interesting concept there. Maybe I have something there. Hmm. Tell you what you do. If you think I have something there and want to discuss it, feel free to email me at the email address provided in the closing credits. And I would love to hear from you. Little feedbackles would be awesome. Okay, TED Talk, the first is called Teaching Kids to Code. Teaching Kids to Code. This is an interesting idea. By code, uh, we're talking computer coding. And uh, if you say that sentence, let's teach kids to code, 
and then don't watch this video, you probably, like myself, will think that is ridiculous because the coding of computers is a sort of incredibly complicated process. However, uh, this guy pointed out that uh, it actually does not have to be hard. He, uh, I'm not sure if it was he, yeah, he and maybe others as well developed this program. Should I, I should have wrote it down so you can check it out for yourself. I checked it out. It was pretty interesting. Uh, this program on the interwebs in which you or kids can go on, and it's sort of a, a very basic form of coding that involves sort of cutting and pasting various commands. So, for example, he showed one in which uh, you would move a fish around the screen and the, the big fish would eat little fish. And it was all done through a sort of series of commands uh, at the side of the screen that could be sort of cut and pasted into any order that you desire to, cre to create the desired effect. So um, he was sort of blown away at some of the things that kids had come up with using these sort of very simple coding tools. Now, my sort of argument there is that yeah, I guess on a very basic level, you're teaching kids to code computers. However, the sort of actual real code of this program is done by, you know, adults, professionals who know how to do, like, the, the hardcore uh, coding behind the scenes of this program. So uh, I just kind of take it with a grain of salt. Uh, he, he points out that sort of the very act of learning to code and problem-solve will uh, help with other aspects of day-to-day -day life and other uh, school problems and what have yous. Uh, and, and I can easily see the connection there. So uh, I like this one. Very good. Next one was called Fifty Shades of Gay. <laughs> I like that title. It's funny. Uh, this, the, the talk wasn't, wasn't funny, <laughs> but the, the title's funny. Uh, it was about a woman who sort of growing up was always uh, seemed to be sort of confused sexually. Uh, and I don't even know if confused is the right word, uh, a word that she would use, sort of more that she felt like she was always uh, trying to pigeonhole herself into either uh, straight, gay, in, in either the categories of straight and gay, basically. Whereas she believes, and, and I think this makes sense, that um, there's a spectrum. It's not black and white. It's not you are 100% gay, you are not 100% straight. Which uh, I could see that being a possibility. Uh, look at, uh, I think she pointed out uh, uh, bisexuals, for example. They would not fit on either end of the scale, somewhere in the middle. She uh, did this test, which I thought was pretty cool, uh, where she went and asked hundreds of different people, um, to sort of give a percent of their gayness or straightness, depending on how you look at it. And she said very few people did the 100%. Um, something like 20% of people? I don't know, something like that. I uh, sort of have been blessed in that regard, in that uh, I find the male human body repulsive. <laughs> so that's always been good, uh, as far as knowing that... Uh, I think it's it's uh, sort of lucky that I've always known uh, very cut and dry one way or the other. The, the simple fact that I uh, enjoy lesbian porn and find 
the uh, male body uh, repulsive, uh, it's a pretty clear indicator for me. I guess not everyone has that uh, that luxury, such a clear cut, uh, such a clear cut sexual preference. And she pointed that out very articulately. And um, I had a cool little video. Uh, she was sort of more in the art side as opposed to the scientific side, I think. But uh, but I like. Okay, the next one was called Make Science Fun. Yeah, why don't you? Maybe we'd have more friggin' scientists than, um, I don't know, other things that we don't need, like priests, let's say, just off the top of my head. Uh, this was a guy who came in to the TED Talk and talked about how science does not have to be very dry and textbooky. That was sort of uh, a lot of his focus was on textbooks. The, the makers, the writers, the creators of textbooks. How they quite often um, sacrifice making things fun or interesting or sometimes even un, uh, understanding, understandable. Um, they sacrifice that for what he calls seriousness. He, wa uh, he thinks that uh, and knows that because he has been the writer, editor of textbooks, science textbooks that if they try to add any sort of levity or a dumbed, dumb uh, down was not a word he wanted to use, and he explained it better than, than that, but um, to dumb down science in order for, you know, fourth and fifth graders to understand it, uh, textbook creators uh, did not like doing that because they thought then they would not be taken seriously, and it was sort of a vicious circle. So, I hope, although I don't think it likely, that a talk such as this will hit home with the creators of textbooks so that your science teacher, who has the potential to make science fun, will have uh, the sort of science instruments, such as a textbook, that is also fun. Very, very important. Okay, so... So the next one was called... Uh, print your own medicine. What? Medicine printer? This goes kind of hand in hand with the sort of explosion, or I guess coming explosion, of the MakerBot. If you are unfamiliar with the MakerBot, it is a, I guess really the easiest way to just boil it down, is a 3D printer. 3D printer. It is... Uh, as of this moment in space and time, uh, the closest we have come to a replicator from Star Trek, basically, when you think about it, uh, you will, again, boil down very simply, you will tell this machine to make something, and it will make it. What? So far, it's still sort of, uh, I don't want to say it's basic, because they are able to make some, some pretty um, complicated designs, like things with gears and stuff like that. Pretty pretty cool looking stuff. It's usually, I believe it's always done with different types of plastic that are sort of molded, um, injected layer by layer. Really, it's a really cool process seeing one of these things in action, actually. Recommend just checking that out. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Uh, so this guy's thought, and he admits that this is, uh, you know, years down the road, 
but that a sort of maker bot combined with a super uh, advanced chemistry set would have the potential to make drugs. Uh, he's not talking, you know, your crack cocaines and injecting your pots and stuff. He's talking, um, you know, <laughs> aspirins and cancer medicines and things of that nature. So rather than go to the pharmacy, or per perhaps the pharmacist would have one of these, he would be able to type in um, the drugs that he wants to come out, and then through this chemistry set, through this uh, 3D printer, maker, bot, machine, you would then um, have your drugs come out rather than... And, and they could be sort of tailor-made, too. More, more tailor-made than, say, you go now to get a drug at the prescription and it's sort of one-size-fits-all. Um, yeah, very, very uh, futuristic, but the crazy thing, I think, is that I don't... I'm, I'm kind of thinking that this is not super crazy far futuristic, so that's kind of a little mind-blowing. All right, I'm at work. I am going to go in and do eight hours of said work and then meet you back here. Love you, Jerry's. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Well, my friends, that was yet another day at work. Another, and basically, when you think about it, a long series of days at work. Uh, inter, sort of intermittently, uh, occasionally broken up by a weekend. Hmm. This weekend is what I like to refer to, a uh, little, little terminology I've come up with. It's called a long weekend. Uh, I use that when the weekend is longer than a normal weekend. Hmm. Within Canada, uh, February, in the last handful of years, we've sort of apparently, I, I looked it up today, uh, developed a February holiday, just for the reason that there is sort of a long space without holidays. So we're like, you know what? Let's goddamn well put one in there. I don't think it's every province. Yeah, yeah, it's not every province. It's like from BC to Ontario. BC does the first Monday of February, and like Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Ontario do the second, uh, the third Monday. We call it Family Day here in Ontario. And that's all I really saw. I guess the other provinces don't do it. Poor bastards. It is a little slice of heaven. And coincidentally, always falls right around my birthday. My birthday's on the Sunday. I got the Monday off. It is like a little gift from the government. A day off work. A paid day off work, no less. Okay, where did we leave off? Wow, we didn't get very far. <laughs> Shit, got a lot to talk about. Let's see if I can get through everything else. I hope so. The next is a Vsauce. Big fan of the Vsauce. Bring them back to the Liberal Cube quite often. Because Michael, the creator, narrator, and what have you -er of Vsauce, is a uh, sort of 
bearded, bespectacled, slightly um, larger than normal forehead guy, and I could probably uh, easily fit into all of those categories as well. So, uh, I like it. It's like how uh, Larry David will, will always try to hire a bald man over a non-bald man. For example, going to stick together, us bearded, bespectacled, slightly larger than normal forehead people. Uh, the topic of this one was, will we visit other stars? Ooh, baby. Is the, is, the, is the answer, I guess, yes with an asterisk, or no with an asterisk? Hmm. Huh. You and I will not. You listening to this will not. Although, perhaps you're listening to this in thousands of years. He threw out this sort of mathematical equation uh, that's really pretty fascinating. Um, it basically figures out how many years it will be before we can build a spaceship that, I want to get the wording right here, that will not be surpassed by other spaceships. Huh, okay, so obviously I didn't say that as well as he did, <laughs> I don't think, so let me explain. If we launched a ship tomorrow towards um, the closest star, Proxima Centauri, I believe it is, I didn't write it down, then within, say, a hundred years, we launched another ship, and our technology would be that much farther ahead that the ship we launched in a hundred years would pass the one we launched tomorrow. Ah, see, that does make sense, does it not? So he, there, there's a, not he, but there's a sort of mathematical formula which can, to a fairly reasonable degree, predict how fast we are progressing as far as technology, things like Moore's Law, and I'm not sure what else they're taking into effect there. So this, this, this formula gives us a number in which it believes we will be able to create a ship that will then reach the closest star without being surpassed by a ship we could create years later and then would pass it, so on and so forth. Okay, that number was 1,104 years. So, this uh, formula, which, although there are perhaps variables unknown, like maybe aliens come and give us faster-than-light travel. You never know. It happened in Star Trek. Remember? Well, we developed it, but then the Vulcans came and said, yeah, you're, you're on the right track. Let's not get into that, maybe. But uh, if you'd like to get into that, I recommend a little film by the name of Star Trek First Contact. Five out of five, since we're on the subject. Anyways, so um, in 1,104 years, that, uh, he pointed out, is a sort of optimistic plan in which we could launch a ship towards this and not have it surpassed by others. Okay, let's leave that behind. I forgot that I have to do this quickly. Uh, the next item is... Oh, okay, this is, of course, on a hot internet day. We're going to bring up Mr. Chris Hardwick and his Nerdist channel. He has created something, or someone has created something that is appearing on his YouTube channel 
starring uh, Black Dynamite. If you are unfamiliar with Black Dynamite, it was a movie from a couple years ago. It was a sort of, kind of spoof, I guess you would say, of the 60s and 70s black exploitation movies. Um, it was very, very funny. Highly, highly recommend it. And um, I think this is going to be an ongoing thing in which they got a sort of life-size 3D model of Black Dynamite with interchangeable heads and facial expressions and are filming things with that uh, in a sort of kind of Japanese kung fu movie flair added in for good measure. They <laughs> are interesting. Yes. Hmm. Strange. Strange things on the internet. It was bound to happen sooner or later. One thing I do want to point out about one of these videos, there was two that I watched. One that I wanted to point out had Mr. Rowdy Roddy Piper in it. He is, for me, kind of up there with Gary Busey uh, when it comes to craziness. Um, also, that sort of level of craziness where you're not um, kind of 100% sure if he's acting or not. He may be. He may not be. I don't know. He's crazy. Okay, next, we got some big things. Again, another classic here in the Libro Cube, some big things. Sort of on the TED Talk vibe a little bit. They do it a little differently. Let's see. Big think number one. Teaching creationism to children is child abuse. Is the name of this one. And I like that title. That title pulls me in. It pulls on all sorts of things in my heart. Um, in my brain, more accurately, that I like. A very, very good little uh, little chat. The speaker was very um, vocal, and it almost seems that, I think rightly so, he was sort of upset that the very fact that creationism is even taught in a school, um, it's just fucking ridiculous. It gets me... Not many things get me going... Uh, in an angry direction or upset direction, but that is one of them. Just ridiculous. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so, before I get too angry, let's leave that one behind and move on to a big think with Mr. Paco. I did a podcast, one of my very first, a long time ago, uh, called... What was it called? Um, <laughs> I can't even remember what some of the titles I've named these things. Uh, oh, no, it was a mating call of the physicist because uh, one of my favorite physicists, and I have a few, which I think perhaps is strange that I have favorite physicists, uh, is Mr. Michio Kaku. And whenever I say his name, I say it thusly. He talked about crazy shit. <laughs> uh it's one of those big think videos where, um, well, here, I'll give you the title. Space Bubble Bath and a Free Universe. Now, I have one of two options here. Attempt to describe some of the things he went into uh, and sound like an idiot. Or ask that you go watch these videos. I'm going to go with option B. Now, the kind of I think interesting thing about that is, despite being a physicist and talking about some crazy 
physicist stuff. Uh, I don't think he he does it in a manner that is, you know, inaccessible. He does it in a manner that even someone like me, who, uh, although enjoys physics for some strange reason, uh, has virtually is probably one of the worst um, people when it comes to even very basic math skills you will ever meet in your whole life. Horrible, horrible at math, yet like physics. Huh. And he says things that uh, can make it understandable. So, listen, learn, love. Uh, next is a Star Talk. A once, well, you know what? I think it still is technically a podcast. However, has sort of moved over to Chris Hardwick's Nerdist YouTube channel, starring probably my favorite physicist, or astrophysicist, more correctly, Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Something I really like about him is that because he's because he is kind of a, a cool dude and gets very excited about science, just in general, um, and is very popular with nerds, He's pulled in a lot of famous people into his sort of sciencey circles. So he'll sit down with, um, quite often, very funny, famous, uh, nerdy people and just shoot the shit, basically. Something he will do on Star Talk is that he'll have a conversation with one person, in this case, uh, Mrs. Dr. Ruth, Dr. Ruth Westheimer. And then uh, they'll sort of break that conversation up into uh, little bites in which he'll sit down with, uh, usually a comedian quite often, in this case, Kristen, Kristen Schnell. Schell? Kristen Schell? Kristen Schnell. I can't remember. Uh, and then they'll talk about the interview that he did with Dr. Ruth. So it's, a, it's an interesting format. and I've, I've never really seen anything like it, but it works very well because it's not just him sitting down with Dr. Ruth, uh, talking for, you know, an hour or whatever, they'll, they'll break it up into those, uh, bite-sized pieces that the, uh, the human brain seems to enjoy more. Uh, as you can imagine, with, uh, Dr. Ruth being the sort of, Ruth, Dr. Ruth being sort of the main, uh, guest here, they talked about the science of sex, and it got pretty sexual, down and dirty. I won't give anything away, just maybe uh, have a little boo of it yourself. Perhaps uh, Dr. Ruth and Mr. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson had a little sexy action. Oh, baby. That is kind of gross to picture, actually, so uh, I apologize for that. Next is what I watched today. Watched, I keep making that little slip, what I listened to today the podcast uh, by the name of Adam Carolla's podcast. Yeah. The Adam Carolla podcast. How about that? As far as podcasting goes, he is usually, I guess, uh, in terms of ratings and listeners, usually in the number one spot. Whereas uh, I am, I'd like to imagine, not in the last spot. That being said, he is sort of doing the podcast. I think he does it because he likes it, obviously. But he is making lots of money doing it. Whereas I am doing it 
for basically the sole reason uh, that I like doing it, and with the hope that people will listen. You see? The, you see the difference, the distinction there? I, I've kind of thought about it, and, and this is my, my thought on that, that I sort of uh, put a percentage on the podcast, and that percentage is, and it fluctuates between 90% and uh, uh, 51%, I do the podcast because I like it, all right, because I want to do it, because I'm having fun doing it, so sometimes I'm doing it 90% because I like doing it with the uh, the remaining 10% in the hopes that people will listen. Sometimes I'm doing it um, 51% because I like doing it with the 49% hope that people will listen. I think if I was doing it 100% because I like doing it, why would I bother recording it? That doesn't make sense. Uh, I would just talk to myself in the car. <laughs> and I think if I, w- if I ever end up doing it more in the hopes of people more in the hopes of people will listen to it than doing it for myself, then I may not do it either. But uh, so far, these 65 episodes in, still very much uh, enjoying doing it for myself with the hopes um, that new listeners will happen secondary. Uh, with that in mind... If you like what you hear, I'm not sure if I said at the beginning of the show, so I'll just say it now, since we're kind of on the topic, why don't you pass on this podcast to a friend or a relative? Or, if you don't like what you hear, pass it on to an enemy. Long comedic pause there for you. Uh, On Adam Carolla's show, he had Mr. Kenny Hotz. That is spelt H-O-T-Z. I would go. I would go Holtz for that, but no, no. Pe- apparently, it's Kenny Holtz. Kenny Holtz, I knew from a little uh, show he does by the name of Kenny versus Spenny, in which uh, they will Kenny and Spenny compete in various ridiculous challenges and try to one up each other. It, uh, I believe, is sort of scripted, although they film it in the sense that it's sort of a reality show. Very, very funny, regardless. Uh, the missus and I used to watch it all the time. Haven't watched it in a while. Haven't seen it on, I guess. He is very, very funny and quick-witted. Uh, talked about on this podcast a couple of times that when you listen to two people, such as Adam Carolla and Kenny Holtz, sit down and just kind of shoot the shit a little bit, it is, it'll come out within the first couple of minutes, um, if, if one or both both in this case, uh, of the people are just sort of on the ball, quick-witted, uh, good with a, with a funny line in there, and uh, know what they're doing. And he f- definitely fell into that category, very much impressed with him. I think he's Canadian, too. I think Kenny versus Spenny was a Canadian show. Hmm. Not 100% sure, but I think so, and I like to think so. All right, folks, that, um, I guess we'll wrap it up. Oh, you know what? He did have another guest, uh, Sasha Gray, the porn star. All right. Why don't we finish with Sasha Gray, then? Hmm. Yeah. And I uh, do believe I am not the first to finish with Sasha Gray. 
Shit, my gas light's on. Remember to get gas. Oh, wait, that note doesn't help me. All right, folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Libro Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper